Did you know there was a free five-part podcast series all about classroom management? In this series, learn how I went from using traditional classroom management strategies without a lot of success to becoming a behavior detective. Discover how I help children with root cause of their behavior issues instead of just addressing the behavior itself. If you want to take a listen to this new series, just check the show notes. You're listening to the Lovely Preschool Teachers Podcast, the podcast for quick, actionable ideas and tips to help you up your confidence and joy in educating little learners. I'm your host, Ashley Rives. Let's get to the show. Hey there, and welcome back to the Lovely Preschool Teachers Podcast. You're listening to episode 70, Beware of Classroom Rewards. Deciding whether or not to implement a classroom reward system is a decision worth putting some thought into. If you scroll through Pinterest, you can find all kinds of reward systems, sticker charts, brag tags, token economies, dojos, punch cards, candy rewards, coupons. The ideas are truly endless, but are these systems right for your students? Before we dive into this episode, I wanted to let you know that this episode isn't about shaming those who use classroom rewards in their classroom, just as the episode before it. This is about my story of how I came to realize what classroom rewards were really doing to our class community. And my true motivation is to share my story in hopes that if you're struggling with classroom behavior and the use of different systems and charts, that my story maybe can be helpful to you. I am definitely not a behavior management expert, but my philosophy is when you know better, you can do better. This is the second episode in a five-part series on classroom management. I hope you'll join me the following weeks through this series or go back to episode 69 for the first episode in this series. In this episode, we're going to be talking about individual rewards and class rewards. The difference being individual, obviously each child getting a reward versus everyone in the class working together to a common goal to get a reward. Raise your hand if you've ever had one of those treasure boxes in your classroom, or maybe even have one now. I had a cardboard one, you know, you like had to fold it and put it together. But I truly envied a fellow teacher because she had a plastic one and it was super realistic looking. And I would fill mine with stickers and toys and just junk basically, and allow the students to choose one piece of treasure if they had good behavior all week. And the junk inside of those things, now that I'm a parent, honestly, I curse at my old self because I think about all those little junky things coming home and filling up dresser drawers and under beds and I digress. So basically I found that what I was doing was if you do what I say and do, you know, it my way, I will give you these things, which really, if you stop and think about it, that is bribing them for their good behavior. And here's the funny thing. The students that were getting all these treasures every single week going home with them and their backpack, they probably would have gotten it anyway because they were already doing the expectations. They were already following the rules. But the students that needed help following the rules, they weren't getting the rewards because they were struggling to go a whole week without tripping up. A whole week is a really long time. Or maybe those students are getting rewards for behaving 
and they finally made it through the week and they did it. But then they're like, wait, we're not going to do the prizes anymore. Okay, then I'm done. I'm not. What's the point of trying so hard to obey the rules of the classroom if I don't actually get anything for it? So their behavior went hinging on getting something. Not to mention the amount of money that was coming out of my own pocket to make sure that I had these prizes filled up and they were something that they really wanted because if it was just something silly that nobody really cared about, then the allure would go away. So I was constantly having to step up my game in the treasure box department or try something different altogether. But what the treasure box wasn't doing was getting at why the behavior was happening in the first place. And it really was taking away from the intrinsic motivation that a lot of my students already had. So instead of just being like, yeah, we behave because it's what we do, it's the expectation in the room, it became, well, you behaved, go you, you now get something for that. And so then it became, well, why am I not getting something for it? I should always be getting something for it. And we lost that just, we do it because it's the right thing to do internally. So now when I look back on that, I think, oh my, not only was I not helping the friends that needed that extra support for their behavior, I was actually setting up this system where my friends who are already doing what they were supposed to are now expecting more when I could have just not put the thing in place and it could have been a lot more simple and wouldn't have had maybe some of the damaging effects because it's not fun to watch other kids get something and you can't have it. It's not fun to feel that everyone in the room knows that you aren't getting it. It's not good to feel like other kids in the room think of you or even tell you you are a bad kid right? Quote, bad kid. None of those feel good. So I was creating a division and didn't even realize it. And I feel like these same repercussions as a treasure box extend themselves to other different reward systems. Brag tags. How many do you have? I have more than you because I'm better than you or I am, you know, whatever the kids fill in that spot with. Um, token economies. I have more money than you. I got to buy the biggest thing. Punch cards, the constant comparing and shaming that can go into these systems. Candy rewards. Like we also just don't need our kids to have more sugar than already is in their food, honestly. So if you stop and think about all of these and you think about them in the way of what they're doing to the target audience for these rewards and for the not so target audience of these rewards, is it worth it? Also, the work the teacher has to put in, right? Ragtags and token economies and treasure boxes, they cost us money. They cost us a lot of time. They cost us a lot of effort. There's time spent in the classroom on it. There is time spent, you know, outside of the classroom preparing it. There's time spent dealing with parents that have an issue or, you know, you maybe forgot to do the treasure box and they were super upset. Like a lot of extra issues come into play just on the teacher side as well. So for all those reasons, 
The question really is, is it right for you? Is it something you want to put into your classroom? And I came to the realization that it definitely wasn't something for me long before my children were in public school. But once in public school, I really got to see it from their point of view, from a student point of view. My youngest is always a rule follower, do what he's supposed to do, very intrinsically motivated. He gets rewards all the time, all the time. Even up until now, he's in middle school. He is constantly getting candy rewards and things like that. And so I ask him, would you do it if you weren't given a reward? And he's like, well, yeah, it's what I'm supposed to do. And obviously we have our own expectations of parents. So he knows our expectations and he knows the school's expectations. He's kind of an easy case in that way. But what was interesting to me was he found frustration with those who didn't because he he's now lacking the empathy that I am trying very hard to put back in of, well, why can't they just get it together? What is their problem? Why can't they figure this out? And that is the message he has been served is you have done everything you're supposed to. Here's a reward that you don't even need. And these other kids, they just can't figure it out. So I've watched that happen through his own educational experience. And it just drives home the idea of why it is damaging and I can't put them into my own classroom. Another type of reward system is the whole classroom reward system. If you've tried out marble jars or compliment parties, I mean, I definitely have. When I was teaching first grade, we had marble jars. We had compliment parties. Now they have like brownie points where you make like a whole sheet of brownies and you get to bring brownies in. There's so many creative ways to do this and the creativity is awesome. But when we look a little bit further, you know, under the surface, what's really going on here? Let's think about it this way. If I went to a staff meeting and my director said, if you all can be quiet during this meeting and we can get through what we need to without interruption, I will cater in lunch tomorrow. I'd be thinking, yeah, sounds pretty good. I can keep my mouth shut for a while. But I'd also be thinking I know someone on staff who can't. So one of two things is going to happen. Basically, I'm going to give up before I even start. So I might as well start chatting to my best friend. Because Susan can't keep her mouth shut for more than five minutes. And I know that because we're in a class, you know, we work together. This would be the equivalent of being in a class together. Or number two, I am going to get irritated with Susan. I am going to give her the stink eye and her and basically anyone else who lets out a whisper. I'm going to grow super frustrated with Susan and, you know, maybe even snap. Will you just shut it, woman? Right? Like that's just what we want her to do. And either way, my colleagues and I are going to say goodbye to that reward before we even try because we know the person in the room that can't do it. And guess what? If you have ever put classroom rewards into your classroom, your students now know who can't do it. And if you think about that child or that Susan who can't do it from the point of a parent or the point from someone who very much cares for that child, that's a hard thing because that child is now being singled out for something that maybe they can't control. So the day after the staff meeting, I'm eating leftovers and I might be a little bitter with Susan because I could have had a better meal. 
And this was all because of Susan in my brain, right? All because Susan couldn't stop talking. But the reality was, is that some of it should be on the director because the director also knows Susan. And so setting expectations for a whole class that will hinge on one or two students really isn't a fair way to approach it. Then I think about Susan. I mean, Susan, she can't stop talking. No one taught her. And she knows. She feels it. She knows people are irritated with her. She's going to leave the meeting with less self-esteem than she came in with. And then it's going to follow her into the next day when we all have to eat leftovers. Much like our children, when we don't get the compliment party because of one person, that's going to follow them for a little while. They know who it is. If you don't think they do, ask them. Listen to them. They're going to tell you. I can tell you if I would have put a class reward in my classroom right now, they all know who would not be able to handle it. Kids know these things, and it's how we approach them and how we teach them about differences of people, differences of learners, and giving them empathy is really what matters, right? Classroom rewards can divide a classroom really quickly. Going back to my son, these things were happening in his classrooms too, and he was getting frustrated. We don't get to do this thing because of this child. Well, what do you mean? Well, this child wouldn't do this, and we were all trying to get the reward, and we can't get the reward because of this one child. Oh, well, how do you feel about that one child? Well, I don't like him. Those are the words coming out of my son's mouth. And this may have never happened if a classroom reward system wasn't set up. It's a big realization to make about damage that you're doing in the classroom, but it's an important one because we can reverse it. We can change it. We can move on. We can learn from the things that we have done, right? And I know that I definitely have. Again, just like in the episode before it, I definitely have some remorse for doing things like this because of the division that I put in my own classroom. But now I know better. Now I know that Susan, she needed someone to help her, to teach her, to understand her, just like the children in our class need. But what about individual reward systems? Let's say a student is struggling with hitting other students during free play. So you come up with a reward system that encourages him to keep his hands to himself during playtime. He gets a punch on his punch card for each playtime period that he doesn't hit. When all of it is filled up, he gets to do something extra special. It sounds reasonable, right? Well, you see him improving on the hitting So you start weaning down his reward. He notices and he feels angry because he's trying really hard for the extrinsic. So in turn, he maybe will begin to hit and hopes you'll put his reward back in. Maybe he will act out in ways to get you to put the reward back in. You know, you don't know. But the real question is, would he stop hitting if you weren't watching? And the answer is probably not, because you watching is what's hinging on him getting a punch in his card. Does he have a missing skill? Yes. Yes. Um, If you look deeper, maybe this friend, he 
doesn't know how to ask for a turn with a toy or doesn't know how to handle the feelings that he has when someone tells him to wait. Or maybe he doesn't have the language to express what he is wanting from another child. Many of those things can be taught. We can teach those things. So if he was taught a better way, would the hitting stop? Many times, yes. So therefore, would he need a punch card? And would he need me always watching? And would he be doing it for external purposes or because he now is starting to understand how communicating with peers works? You see, it's really my firm belief that you don't need all that stuff. Let it go because it wasn't going to work anyway. Stick to the simple, stick to the basics. Stop keeping track of behavior sheets and punch cards and marble jars. And for Pete's sakes, you do not have to fill up that treasure box. I'm telling you, if you just take all this off your plate and really get simple, you will have a weight lifted off of you. And then you're also going to have just such a greater understanding of your children and what they actually need instead of trying to control their actions. What works for me is simple. It's relationships, a little detective work, and teaching social-emotional skills. All of these things we're going to dive deeper on in future episodes. The episode you just listened to was episode two in a five-part behavior management series. If you missed last week, head back to episode 69 for my realization of the honest truth of behavior charts. And next week, we'll be digging into what student behaviors are telling us, becoming those detectives. Then the following weeks, we'll talk about going beyond managing behaviors and what to do when our support isn't working. I hope you will join me next week. And until then, keep being lovely. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with a friend. This helps me spread the word and help more preschool teachers just like you. Keep being lovely.